You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. So I want to take a few moments in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you have your electronic devices, whatever's good, turn there. And I may even have you show somebody near you a, a verse or two, so it'd be good to have your Bibles open. Hey, while you're turning, could I share a few things from my heart to yours about this week? Tuesday night is huge. Tuesday night is our Gospelite Christian School Elementary Program. Starts at 6 p.m. right here in the auditorium. It is a grand event. It is really kind of the culmination of all of the music that's been prepared uh, and that our kids have been singing for, for, for this year. And so t- uh, Tuesday night, right here, a free event, and it will be worth your coming. My grandchildren are in it. I've been here long enough to say my grandchildren are in it, you know. That's a long time, right? But they are, and I'm looking forward to, to being here and, and celebrating that wonderful event. So don't miss it. Uh, that's, that's Tuesday night. Then, of course, we want to make sure you understand that we are kind of leaving the emphasis on our campus in the year of the church and we're moving into the emphasis on the community. Thank you. Yes, I know it's on the screen every week, but who looks at the screen, right? I'm, I'm with you. Okay. And I get it. And so it's the community. So what we're doing is we've been emphasizing our campus and we've raised uh, a lot of money. I think already 70000 has been given. We've got projects that are starting in about a week around the campus. It's going to be exciting. Um, so we're, we're thrilled about the pros- progress we're already making in just a few short weeks on our, uh, on our campus improvements. And, and that was a wonderful four months. Now we're moving into the next four months. And that's uh, going to be the emphasis on how Gospelite can partner with, can, uh, can, can help, can participate with the community in, in outreach and in winning people to Christ and other organizations in our town that have the same mission and vision that we do. We are a local church that needs to impact the community and partner with other, you know, parachurch organizations that believe what we believe about the gospel. Amen. So it's going to be exciting. Next Sunday will be the introduction to the next four months at Gospel Life. Huge Sunday for our church. You want to be here. You want to hear what we have to say. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. And uh, so we'll, we'll enjoy that for about four months. And then finally, I wanted to mention uh, the next couple of Sunday nights because uh, next Sunday night, or excuse me, I'm sorry, May 5th, uh, Tiffany mentioned the communion. Huge time for our church family. A lot of uh, special things that take place on communion night. And we're told as a church family to come together and remember the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like we're remembering his resurrection, we will remember the debt that he paid for our sins. And it's going to be an awesome service. That's May the 5th. And then, of course, May the 6th, we want you to come to our house and have dinner with us. Not everybody, but, but those of you interested in our church, it's a great time together. 1 Corinthians 15 in your Bibles. This is the great chapter on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you may not have known that. Maybe there are other chapters, but I mean, there is, I I don't know of a chapter in the Bible that has more to say, more information about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, both his and ours, than 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the good news of the gospel. And I want to share that with you. Because in just a moment... What you're going to be hearing is basically everything that we've been singing about. Every song that we sung, every anthem we lifted to Christ, every, every 
phrase in every worship song we just sang has to do with the gospel. In fact, that's every Sunday. Every Sunday, what we are praising God for is his gift of the gospel, the good news. And and so I want to share that with you today, because there is no better news than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here it is on the screen, as well as your devices, and, and I want you to see it in the emphasis I'm placing on certain, certain points. First of all, here it is, introduction. Now I would remind you, brothers, and I'm going to go ahead and say sisters, amen? How about that? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to remind you of the gospel. Now, 2,000 years ago, Paul was speaking these words, and, and I'm speaking these words 2,000 years later with as much enthusiasm and urgency uh, and expectancy as he was. I'm going to remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel that I preach to you every Sunday. And and this gospel, which many of you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. You see, you are saved one time. You you get saved, you're born again into the family of God. There is a moment in our lives where we make a commitment to Christ. He becomes the Lord of our life. But the gospel is a process. It's a sanctification process. We'll not be just like Jesus till we are in heaven and and we experience the, the glorified bodies that Jesus has prepared for us. Until then, church, can I confess to you, I'm still being saved. I'm a work in progress. Amen. And, and so are you. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless, of course, maybe you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first. That's important. That word first there means primary. This is the main thing. You ever heard somebody say, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. That's this. This is what we're talking about when we say that. At first, the first importance, what what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That is the good news of the gospel. That's the best news there ever was, ever is, and ever will be. And I want to share with you the three reasons why this morning we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. But I want to plug in, say a word for next Sunday. Because I want you to know that Resurrection Sunday is is set aside, this, this special holy day that we celebrate His resurrection. But it's every day. Every day that Christ lives in you, you can live the resurrected life. It's an amazing thing. You see, what you're looking at this morning is not just a one-time Uh, expression of excitement and celebration. This is truly and can be and should be an everyday experience for us. And so I want you to listen to the good news of the gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First of all, verse number 3, where it says this. In verse 3, it gives the first piece of the gospel. Number 1, it says this. Could you put that up there, Nate? 1 Corinthians 15, 3. I want you to see it. It says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here it is. Number one, Christ died for our sins. The first thing we celebrate is this, that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Hallelujah. The penalty of sin has been paid because Christ died for our sins. Because our sin must be punished. Sin has to be punished. God never, uh, never can, God never will, God never has overlooked sin. Never has. In fact, if God would overlook sin, he would be unholy. And he, he, he could not, he, he, look, if God 
overlook sin, then he would not be a holy God. But because he does acknowledge sin has to be paid for. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, the son of God, to take the punishment upon himself. And that, my friends, is something to rejoice about. Because as we discussed last week, we should have died on that cross. We deserve the penalty of death. But Jesus, according to the scriptures, paid that penalty for us. He paid the penalty of sin. And our sin debt once and for all has been paid in full. How good is that? How amazing is that? Oh, listen. He was a virgin-born, sinless sacrifice for sin. He had to be sinless. He lived a perfect life. In fact, we find in Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, Scripture says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He was sinless. But God made him to become sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Unbelievable. It's incredible, church. And if you're sitting in the audience this morning and thinking, yeah, I just, I just don't get it. Hang on. Hang on. There, there's more to that. But if you have received that gift and you're thinking, I just don't get it, you may need to listen to because this is huge. This is big. This is what we just sang about. This is the whole message of we're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of the redeemed. That's why we're free because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. And he deserves the highest praise. That is good news. That I've been saved from the penalty of sin. I'm not going to go to hell. That offends some people just to say the word, I'm not going to go to hell. Pastor, are you actually insinuating that if you would not ever have done this or that if you would never trust Christ, are you actually saying you would die and go to hell? Yes, forever. Forever. Eternal hell fire forever unless Jesus pays my sin debt. That's exactly what I'm saying. But because of this, I don't have to go to hell. Are you getting a little bit why I'm excited? Is this a reason to be passionate about the message? I don't have to spend an eternity in hell because Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ, the Bible says. And so number one, the penalty of your sin has been paid. But number two, There's a little phrase in verse number four that a lot of us overlook in the gospel. And it simply says this. And that he was buried. What's the significance to him being buried? That seems kind of an unusual way of of, of celebrating the gospel. Is this really something that we need to acknowledge? Is, Is the burial really all that important? Yes, it is. The burial of Jesus Christ is a part of the gospel. Question, church. What do you do with the corpse? You put it away. You're right. You, you bury it. You put it in the grave. So number two, the second reason why we celebrate this morning is this. Number one, the penalty of your sin has been paid. But number two, because of his burial, the pollution of your sin has been buried. It's been buried. Our sins have been buried with Christ in the grave of God's forgetfulness. Amen. That's a good news. Listen, we do not have to be haunted by the ghost of guilt because he not only forgave me, but he cleansed me. He washed me whiter than snow, the scripture says. Listen to this scripture in Psalm 103 and verse number 12. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's good news, church. 
And because we are buried with him, he took our sins and he buried them with him. He, when he died, he was buried. And, and that is a picture of what happened to our sins. Amen. That's good news. Isn't that wonderful? And that is what baptism pictures. In fact, Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 illustrates baptism and, and, and what it pictures and what it means. We were buried there for with him by baptism into death. In order, here's why, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Someone has called that baptistry a liquid tomb. A liquid tomb. It pictures as we stand in that baptistry, the death, the burial, and then glory glory to God, the resurrection of Jesus. And that's good news. But that's not all the good news. Jesus died. He dealt with the penalty of sin. He was buried. He dealt with the pollution of sin. But thirdly, thank God, verse 4 says this. It says that he was, what church? Say it with me. Raised on the third day. He came out of that grave. And Jesus dealt with the power of your sin. He overcame the power of sin because of his resurrection. Jesus gave himself for me that he might give himself to me. Amen. And that's what I love about baptism. And that's what baptism pictures. And that's why it is so important. In fact, listen to this verse in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. It says that I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Don't miss this. Please don't miss this. This is, this is critically, critical for you to get this on understanding why resurrection is so important to the gospel. Because it is no longer I who live. When I got saved, Jesus Christ came to live inside of me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. That's dynamite, church. That's powerful. That's an amazing thought. And that is exactly what the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is all about. We have resurrection power within us. Resurrection equals life. Therefore, I'm no longer dead, but I'm alive in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. I may look 54 years old. My old body may be dying and one of these days I'll be put in the grave. But I can promise you this. According to the scriptures, I'm going to rise again. Because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that's what baptism is all about. And just a little later on in the service, we're going to baptize someone who came to know about this resurrection power. What does baptism mean? What does it look like? I'm going to take about 60 seconds. That just took a, a portion of a song that just spoke so, so just volumes to me this week. And I want to show it. Nathan's going to just show you this clip. Look at the picture of Chris Tomlin's expression of resurrection power and how it relates to baptism.
prove it. Live it on the inside. Resurrection power. Baptism doesn't save. But baptism is the very first step of a believer. In fact, all through scripture, you never see someone who is saved who doesn't immediately follow Christ in baptism. It's the next step because it's a picture. It's a picture of what Jesus has done for us when we come out of that water. It's a picture of his resurrection power that lives within us. Church, if you're saved, you'll never die. You'll never die. So we kind of celebrate that. This is pretty cool. It's a pretty amazing benefit. That Jesus has provided for us because he came out of that grave. The power of Jesus Christ in us. Jesus lives within our hearts in the power of the resurrection. So how do we know that Jesus Christ is the son of God? I mean, think about it. How do we really know that? I mean, how do we know that he's not just another religious teacher like Muhammad or Buddha? Or Krishna. Or any of these other teachers. Is he just another man? Was he just another person who walked and did a lot of good things? What makes Jesus so different? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. That he was declared to be the son of God. Here it is. He was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. Here it is, church. How do we know? By his resurrection from the dead. Jesus was not some crazy person when he said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He was right. He was exactly right. Listen, when God raised him from the dead, that was proof positive that he was absolutely, totally who he said he was. The son of the living God. Now, if you're saved, church, that's good news. That's just good news. The penalty of your sin, paid. The pollution of your sin, buried. The power of your sin, overcome in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you don't just say that like it's no big deal. That's a huge deal. That's what every worship song was about this morning. That's what every hymn in the hymn book ought to be about if it's worth singing. It ought to be about the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm just a little bit excited this morning. But if you come back next week, we'll be just as excited. Because it's just as powerful the week after Easter as it is the week of Easter. Now, I want to show you something else. It's a little phrase. And that phrase is found in two of the verses that we read a moment ago, but are often overlooked. So here on the screen, notice with me if you would, please. Verse 3 says that he delivered... To you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Would you mind saying that with me together, church? What does it say? In what? In accordance with the scriptures. Hmm. And then the very next verse, and any time God repeats himself, it's worth emphasizing something that we should probably pay closer attention to. So again, in the very next verse, not as if he had just said it already. But he said he was buried and he raised on the third day. And by the way, this too is in accordance with the scriptures. And so what, what scriptures was he talking about? Not the New Testament, because the New Testament had not yet been written. wasn't put in words. When he says accordance, in accordance with the scriptures, he's talking about Old Testament scriptures. Now what's beautiful about this is that the scriptures affirm the resurrection. 
and the resurrection affirmed the scriptures. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that relate to the life of Jesus Christ. 300. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? 300 references in the Old Testament in accordance with the scriptures that we see prophesied in the New Testament. But this morning, I'm just going to focus on the death, burial, and resurrection. And I just have nine for you, nine examples of prophecy from the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, church, I hope this doesn't get boring. It's only nine. I could give you 300. We could be here a long time. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to take nine. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and take nine and focus on one particular subject, the one we're talking about today, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And let's just see if we can find some of those scriptures. So number one, we see that he would be falsely accused in Psalm 35 in verse 11, where the Bible says malicious witnesses would rise up. Is that going to be prophesied in the New Testament? Yes, it is. In Matthew chapter number 26 and verse 60. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. In the Old Testament, it speaks that he would be abused and beaten. It's in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6, where it says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. And I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Would that prophecy be fulfilled? Yes, it would. In Matthew 26 and verse 67, it says, Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him. And then the Bible says that he would not retaliate. Where does it say that in the Old Testament? Isaiah 53 and verse 7. It says he was oppressed. Jesus was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He was like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shearers. It's silent. So Jesus opened not his mouth. Would that be prophesied? Would that be fulfilled in the New Testament? Yes, it would. In Matthew 27 and verse 14, but he gave him no answer. Not even a single charge so that the governor was greatly amazed. It says he would be executed with lawbreakers. In the Old Testament, this is prophesied in Isaiah chapter number 53 and verse 12, where it said, because he poured out his soul to death, he was numbered with the transgressors. Would that be fulfilled? Yes, it would. In Matthew 27 and verse 38. Then two robbers were crucified with him. One on the right and one on the left. It says he would be crucified. It's prophesied in the Old Testament in Psalm 22 and verse 16. A company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Would that prophecy be fulfilled? Yes, it would. In Luke 23 and verse 33. And when they came to the place that is called the skull. There. They crucified him. It says he would actually pray for his executioners. That was foretold in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. Where it says. Yet he bore the sins of many. And he makes intercession for the transgressors. And that would be fulfilled in Luke 23 and verse 34. Where Jesus said. Father. Father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. It says none of his bones would be broken. In the Old Testament, you'll find that prophesied in Psalm 34 and verse 20. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. That would be fulfilled in the New Testament. John chapter 19, verse 33. And when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. In accordance with the scriptures. It says that he would be pierced. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, 
the scriptures say, when they look on me, on whom they have pierced. Would that come to pass? Yes, in John 19, 34, the New Testament says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And it once came forth blood and water. It says he would rise from the dead. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 10, yet it was the will of God to crush him. He is put into grief when his soul, here it is, here's his death. When his soul makes an offering for guilt. And here's his resurrection. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The Lord will make him to prosper. At one point, this verse speaks about his death. Another phrase speaks about his days being prolonged, his resurrection. Would that be prophesied? Yes, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 6, it says, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Old Testament fulfillment in the New Testament. I mean, just, just nine of 300. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus in accordance with the scriptures. Wow. What confirmation we have here. And then, if you need more evidence, Paul said, well, I can give you some more. And he goes on in verse number five of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, well, he also... After he rose from the dead, he actually appeared several times, like to Cephas. And, and then he appeared to the twelve. And, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. And I like the way Scripture says this. Now, some have fallen asleep. Do you like that? I love it. I love it when the Bible says, when it speaks of saints, when it speaks of those who are saved, it always says they fell asleep. Because you see, the believer never dies. He just wakes up with Jesus. Amen? And then it goes on to say, oh, he also, James saw him and all the apostles and... and Paul says, I saw him too. I saw him too. You say, well, how do we know they're not lying? Let me tell you something. You don't die for a lie. Many of these died. Listen, martyrs and hypocrites are not cut out of the same cloth, church. When you're willing to die for a cause, trust me, you believe that cause because there's proof positive. They saw him. It was not done in secret. It was not done in a corner. He rose from the dead. So in closing, how do we get this into our lives? I mean, think about it, church. How do we get this into our lives individually? See, there's two different types of people in this room right now. There are those who have never come to the place where they have truly committed their lives to Jesus Christ and made him the Lord of their life and trusted him and been saved. And to those of you, I say this, there's a way to get this into your life. You may be wondering, you know, yeah, you know, you're right. Actually, I am here. It's Easter. I probably, I mean, just if it goes like it normally goes, I won't be back next week. In fact, probably won't be back until Christmas. And that's okay. I, I, I get it. I say that to say that I understand why you wouldn't come back. Because it's not in you. And, and how do you get it in you? And then there may be those here today who would say, well, actually, I, I have been saved. I, I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I, I made him Lord of my life. But, Pastor, I, I'll be honest, I didn't feel like rejoicing like everybody else was. I felt a little out of place almost. It was like you're singing and, 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 and you're worshiping. And I just, I don't get it really sometimes. I, or maybe I used to get it. Or 
I don't know, something's just not alive in me. And we need a resurrection. There's some Christians in this room that need a resurrection. You're not a resurrection of your soul. You're alive in Christ. You've been saved, but you're not living like it. The resurrection power of Christ that's in you is not being recognized. And, and it's, not being, uh, it's, it's not moving in your life like maybe it once was. Maybe it shows up in your desire to, to study God's word and meditate on the scriptures. It's just not there. Maybe it shows up in your witness. In the time that you take to share the gospel with others and invite others to come to church. I mean, there was a time when you used to, but it's just like, yeah, preacher, I would have been the guy cheering for Tiger and like not cheering for Jesus. I don't, something's not right. My love for golf seems to have surpassed my love for Jesus. But no, no, preacher, I I love Jesus more. I do. And I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. I believe you do. So what's wrong? What's dead? What needs resurrecting? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, look at it on the screen, verses 1 and 2. Actually, it's not on the screen. Let me go ahead and put it right here. Let me read you this, 1 and 2. It says, now I would remind you, brothers, pay attention. I'm going to remind you of something. I'm going to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. And if you're looking at your Bibles or your electronic devices, I want you to see a word that I would like for you to circle or just identify. It says this. Which you received. Circle that word received. There's some significance to that. And then it says, in which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you circle the word believed. You see, salvation is believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then receiving the penalty that Jesus paid on the cross for your sins. Salvation is believing and receiving. And if you have never believed and received on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then today, today, you can be saved. You can stand on that truth. This today could be your day. For me, it was September the 1st, 1978. That was my day. That was the day that I got the resurrection power that I'm singing and preaching about this morning. There was a day when I received, I believed on Jesus. And ever since then, I've been growing. Ups and downs, good days and bad days. Times where I'm a little bit more not ashamed than others of the gospel of Christ. But you see, this morning, if you need to be resurrected as a saved person, it may come down to this verse right here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. If you believe in the gospel, then we should not be ashamed of it. We shouldn't be ashamed to worship him and praise him and invite others to come to know him. This is the life-changing gospel. He saves. The gospel saves. There is no other way. And he will save you today. It is not your sincerity that will save you. You may be the most sincere person in the world. That is a nice guy. He must be a Christian. It has nothing to do with it. You say, well, uh, yeah, but, but, but what about service? Wonderful. It's great to serve. Your works are a wonderful thing, but that doesn't save you. It's not your sincerity. It's not your service. And it's not your sacraments. You're saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Someone has said to me, preacher, what's one of the significance... Uh, of, of that thief on the cross being saved. I think that's for all of us today who need to know that it is not by works of righteousness which you have done because he didn't have the chance to do one good work or even be baptized. But did he go to heaven? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
So you see, it's not those things. You are saved because Jesus Christ paid it all. And if you are saved, God is not finished with you yet. He's not. He's, he's working on you. There's so much more that God wants you to accomplish for his name and for his sake. And I have that resurrection power. And that resurrection power was shown in, in, in the example and illustration of baptism when he said that I was buried in the likeness of his death. And as we say when we baptize, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And so in just a few moments, we're going to sing an invitation song called Resurrection. And it says this, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. The bridge says, by your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. The message this morning is for both of you, saved and unsaved. In just a moment, our invitation is going to begin. You're going to have a chance to come forward. And maybe there's somebody in this room that just needs to come and pray. We had several this morning just that needed to pray and and rededicate, recommit a part of their lives to Christ. And that's a wonderful thing because there are many times in my life where God's performed a resurrection in my Christian life to things that had grown stale and gotten old. I'm thankful for that. And I'm sure he's got a whole lot more that he needs to do in my life. I admit to you. I'm not a finished product yet. I'm a work in progress. But maybe you're this morning, you're here this morning, you've never had that day, that moment where you've turned from your sin and trusted Christ. And we're going to have some of our pastors up front in just a moment that would love to just take a moment or even after the service as you identify who they are and just, or me, and just come up to us and say, hey, I, I'd like to talk to you. It's precious. Last week, a young lady came up to us after the service and just said, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Isn't that awesome? Maybe that's you today. Shall we bow our heads for prayer?